This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Jen Waldman, the owner and founder of Jen Waldman Studios, one of the best acting studios in New York City. Home to many Broadway actors, as well as a hub for leadership development in the arts and in the business world. Jen has worked with thought leaders such as Seth Godin and Simon Sinek, and has helped blaze a trail to bridge the arts, the business world, and purpose-driven work and innovation. Before the pandemic struck, Jen Waldman Studios was my number one recommendation for actors. I recommended it for the high caliber of training, but even more so for the strength of the community in the studio and the caliber of people that it builds. They say that you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with, and that rising tides lift all ships. I promise you that just by being in fellowship with the Jen Waldman Studio community, you will grow as a person, and in turn be more effective as an artist, or whichever path you choose. I was in several classes that were interrupted by COVID. Jen took swift, decisive action and brought the studio online. The online studio is a different format than the studio classes, but it has been an opportunity to strengthen, expand, and open the community. And the online studio has been one of my personal secrets to my artistic output and really helped me find and hone my voice during this time, literally and figuratively. I say this because August classes are open for registration, and I can't recommend them highly enough. Whether you're an actor, writer, singer, entrepreneur, content creator, marketing consultant, problem solver, or whatever creative, innovative thing you may be or want to become, you will benefit from being here, and you will be welcomed in this vibrant community. I'll be there. And I hope that you join me. As always, links are in the show notes. So without further ado, this is Jen Waldman, an architect of possibility. Let's have a conversation. Cool. Yay. So excited to do this with you. Likewise, long overdue. Um, If and when we... I guess not go back to normalcy, but when we <laughs> go back to doing things in person, I would love to have an in-person conversation with you at some point. Totally. totally. Um, however, yeah, I've taken this opportunity to realize that I can schedule many more interviews and um, execute more interviews without having to to figure out how to coordinate that in person. So I'll probably still do that when we go back to that option um, and do um, remote as well for people that live far away, Um, which I'm guessing is the plan with your studio as well. Yeah, we're going to we're going to keep the remote Mm -hmm. and then go back to the small group classes in person. Um, But now we just have so many people spread out around the world. It's like we can't abandon them. Yeah. Um, and it's a good option for, I know myself and many other actors who, um, have enjoyed taking the small classes that your studio, um, offered, but then 
sometimes financially couldn't do them every month, but wanted to stay involved. And of course there's like the book club and a lot of ways you can still stay a part of the community. But uh, now, um, yeah, the online option would be another option, you know, if people can't afford the smaller classes sometimes to stay kind of tuning the machine. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing that's been amazing is there have been teachers who I've wanted to bring into the studio, but it's all been dependent on whether or not they were going to be in New York. Like there's a movement teacher who does some specialty stuff at Juilliard every now and then. And she and I had been in conversations about trying to coordinate the next trip to New York. And she reached out to me last week and was like, Hey, we don't need to wait anymore. Like we mm-hmm. can just do this online. It's so cool. Nice. Um, so I know your story a little bit, but people listening that don't, um, could you kind of give like the small, like, yeah, your small story um, oh, as you feel like telling it today? <laughs> yeah. That, I love how you put that because the truth is the story, you know, which elements get brought to the fold change every mm-hmm. time you tell it. Um, I, I started as an actor in my professional career right after I graduated from college. But the truth is I had had an interest in, well, originally it was choreography and then it sort of morphed into directing and choreography because my original training was as a dancer and then I added the singing and then added the acting as I grew into my teenage years. So when I graduated from college, my first job, amazingly, was a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. So got out, that out of the way pretty quickly and then realized that, you know, I feel very fortunate for having had this aha moment young that Broadway is not the be all end all and there's more. So that then led to sort of parallel pursuits of acting and directing and, chore- and choreographing And how we end up with the studio situation is I had directed a production of Showboat, which turned out to be a very important experience, I think, for everyone involved. And a group of the actors who were in that production said, we want to keep working together after this is done. So I offered to put together a Monday night get together where I would facilitate a I don't even think we called it a class yet, just like a work session. And then that became an ongoing thing, which then grew into what is now, all these years later, the studio. And after it was probably three years of doing that alongside my performance career, I decided to stop acting and focus really on teaching and at that time, I was still directing and choreographing as well. Mm-hmm. And, and how long? How long has the studio been around now? Um, as as Jen Waldman's studio. Well, the sort of moonlighting version of it was from 2004 through the beginning of 2007, and then in 2007, I went all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I remember 
coming to your class like I took a class um at Heidi Marshall studio and she she also has like a Facebook group and kind of um kind of works on building the community of the studio as well and so I liked that and um Jason Cohen was in that class with me and him and Heidi were talking about you um one day and I was kind of overhearing and he was sort of like, yeah, like if you like this community, um, Jen Waldman Studios is similar but more musical theater based. And so I was like, okay, I think I want to go there next. Um, and that was kind of on like a part of my journey of like getting serious about what was next for me again. And so I decided that I was like going to be in one of your classes that coming January because it was December at the time. And uh, so I was on the waiting list to to find out what classes would be available. And I don't know, I never heard, like I never got the full list, but then all of a sudden, right before January, um, I got something that there were classes in Shift available. And Shift was like gonna focus on mindset. And I wanted to focus on performance, but, I knew that I'd get something out of shift. Um, (laughs) I was like, Oh, I'll get something out of this. Um, It's the new year, whatever. And I was sort of like, you know, business of acting kind of didn't know what I was getting in for. And it was like the first class just was like mind blowing because I realized it was exactly what I needed at that Mm. time. Um, And it was it was so it was my introduction to the studio and it was my introduction to you and also you were sharing some of the other work that you were doing and continue to do um that was my introduction to seth godin so there were all of these things that i was realizing that you were doing um like in tandem with the studio and also outside of the studio and i was just kind of like how do you do it? Um, and, and also, oh, like, there are things that I was kind of, I think a lot of actors do, I wasn't even thinking about. Like, I was kind of limiting the scope of possibility. Um, so it kind of opened up a whole um, world of possibility, and it kind of started a a new path for me in a very, you know, I was on the path, but it kind of really was like a shifting point, literally. Uh, Could you talk about shift a little bit for people listening? Totally. And before I do, I realize that my settings on my Zoom do not have automatically adjust microphone set. Do you want me to click that? What does that do? It's, it sort of like regulates the EQ. I have it at like probably 60% input right now. Uh, Do I sound okay to you? Yeah, you sound fine. Okay, then I'll just, so, I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah. Okay. okay, so shift is, as you said, it's a mindset workshop. And I really believe because I've experienced it, for myself and now witnessed it in so many people that when you change your mindset, when you have the tools to actively change and choose your mindset, you can actively choose and change your life. So that class 
started as my reaction, I think, to this idea that many artists have been fed, which is things happen to you and you have no control. And I really want to help artists to reclaim agency over their career, their career path, their, the kind of art they want to make, who they want to make it with. And so it all starts with mindset. And once you get your mindset right, or once you actually choose a mindset that is effective and productive, all the other pieces start to fall into place. And it's not magic. It's on purpose. So mm -hmm. that class really breaks down a series of mindset tools and frameworks, starting with the way you speak to yourself, your relationship to self. And then once we have gone on the deep self-exploration, we start looking at relationships and career and time and resources and how we can adjust our mindset around those things as well. Mm -hmm. uh, this, so there's another question I was thinking about and I was thinking about it in the season three premiere um, when I was talking a little bit about some important people and uh, places to me. And so you are an acting teacher, but I like, I feel like that's not quite the right word either. Like it's <laughs> accurate. Um, so I was wondering if there is something that you are calling yourself these days and also realizing that you know, I'm exploring a number of parallel paths. I don't know. I know which ones are like the most important to me, um, but that also you can have different titles. But speaking on the stories we tell each other, our, ourselves and tell each other, yeah, kind of, is there something that you <laughs> label yourself as or, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It is very hard for me to commit to a label, but mm -hmm. I will say that what I do is help people to build their character both on stage and off stage. I like it. That my work as an acting teacher is very much about how do you take the, the building blocks of the world that the play has created and give your character all of their deserved humanity so that they can move through that world. And similarly, with like the mindset work, we look at the world we're living in and all of those fundamental building blocks and ask, how do I, as the main character in my own life, move through these in a way that allows me to move closer to my super objective? Mm -hmm. um, and what are you, like, so another question is, I know you kind of stopped acting. Do you still consider yourself an actor or is that, also something that you still maybe maybe not pursue as hard but do you still have like space for that i think i will always be an actor mm -hmm. it's hard for me to get rid of any of that part of myself i'm not pursuing acting professionally and i honestly since i gave my last performance i haven't felt an urge to jump back on the stage but my acting experience serves me very well in my current position because I'm often the scene partner of my clients as I'm preparing them for callbacks and such. So I'm still very much getting to play characters just in different circumstances and almost 
I would say the overwhelming majority of the time, it's characters I would never get to even think about playing if I were actually pursuing a professional acting career. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I was an actor my, my whole life. So I can't even imagine not identifying as one. And I still am a proud card-carrying member of the actors' union. Um, but I guess if I had to label myself, I would call myself a theater artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some of the other things you're up to, like outside mm-hmm. of the studio? Yeah. Well... Pre-COVID and uh, during COVID are two different worlds, but pre-COVID, I was doing a lot of work in leadership training and storytelling for people who are not in artistic industries. So a wide range of industries from healthcare to energy to education, um, nonprofit work helping people to use the same skills, honestly, that I would be teaching to actors, but calling them by different names, how to craft a great story, how to share that story in a way that's effective and that can help you to make an impact. So I was doing a lot of that work and I'm still trying to make room for that right now, but in the COVID times, my focus has been 150% on the artist's because it feels like they, they need my attention more than anyone else right now. Um, and then the other thing that is still ongoing is I, too, host a podcast called The Long and the Short of It with a guy named Peter Shepard, an Australian guy who I met via Seth Godin's Alt-MBA program. And we, we have the weekly podcast. We're about to get to episode 100, which is crazy to me. And we also teach a bunch of learning labs and workshops, specifically the one that's coming up is called the Big Ideas Lab, where we essentially help people to identify the ways in which the ideas they've got inside can be incredibly impactful if they were able to package them in a way that other people could understand and really apply. So that's coming up sometime in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned like pre-COVID and during COVID are kind of two different chapters. What do you, what's your kind of take on like, what do you think is going to happen post COVID or like the next, not the next phase. Cause I feel like the phases are all COVID. Um, yeah. What do you kind of think is going to happen come January um, in the theater world and in the world in general, if you want. And what's your, vision for Mm. that time well it's so interesting because it feels like we're dancing on the tightrope between abundance and disaster in every moment so on the one hand when i think about january 2021 i will be very surprised if theater is operational at that point um, or large theaters are operational at that point which you know, that teeters on the disaster side. I, I feel so much sadness around that. And I feel a lot of the pain that my clients are feeling knowing that the thing that they really want to do is just out of commission right now. But on the other 
side of it, I have said for years that I wish the artistic community would infiltrate every other industry and take over the world because if the world were run by artists, it would be so much easier to live in. And because of the shutdown of our industry, that is exactly what's happening. Artists are infiltrating all of these other industries by necessity, but ultimately, when you think about the long-term implications of having an artist, specifically an actor whose job it is to practice empathy, when you imagine what it might be like to have more actors in different industries working alongside people who maybe haven't experienced them before, and you think of the long-term impact of that, it's kind of incredible to imagine. And so that's part of my vision is that art would be everywhere and artists would be everywhere and not relegated to these very specific spaces where their value is undervalued and their contribution seems mundane. You know, when, we, when we're surrounded by other artists, we, we sometimes forget that what we do and our capacity for empathy and creativity is so extraordinary because we're surrounded by people who have this extraordinary capacity. But when you go into other spaces, you're reminded that, oh wait, not everybody practices empathy 24 seven. Not everybody sees a, a problem and then immediately comes up with creative solutions. So I'm excited about that element of it. And I've also been developing an, a parallel vision, which is something else I've been passionate about for a long time, but haven't really seen the opening and now I do, which is I would like for every artist I work with to release the idea that they would ever make 100% of their living mm. in the theater as an actor. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is so limiting. And the truth is when you think about the people we admire in our industry, those those game-changing artists, they do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. They act, they produce, they write, they're activists, they do concert singing, they do voiceover, they, they do a ton of things. So I think this moment has allowed people to see that there are other possibilities they might have been either unaware of or just intentionally ignoring. Yeah. Um... I shared with you the other day something that I'm thinking about exploring. Um, my fear, I, I do have fears coming up about it though. But, and, and so that's with a caveat, like I do still want to be an artist first. Um, but yeah, thinking about getting into insurance mm -hmm. um, because because a number of places have gone 100% remote. And one of them is like specifically looking for actors because they hired an actor and they were pretty happy about that. Uh, hold on one second. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, uh, the, the dogs would go crazy if I let that go. Um, but yeah, the fear I guess is if you do another job like, so many, my, my thought is I've worked in bars off and on the whole time I've been acting. Sometimes you go away, sometimes you come back, sometimes you do both and like work the schedule around. Um, so why not if you're doing something with a flexible 
option, like if it's flexible, you could do anything. Um, the fear though is if it ended up taking too much time or attention away. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on how to balance that for people that are open to, to other options? Um, yeah, that, that I think is the biggest fear. Yeah. Well, I think the, the story of the actor as someone who between jobs is a server or a bartender or a temp, that, that story is so old. Now that's not to say it's wrong because some people really thrive between their acting jobs in working in those environments. But the idea that that would be the only thing you could do when you really think about like, what is the source of that story? Oh, that story was created in a pre-technology world, in our mm-hmm. pre-digital world. So the idea that we wouldn't even incorporate into the stories we're telling ourselves about what is possible, the idea of remote work, the idea of digital work, um, it's, it's just an old story. So I think the question you're asking is a really important one, which is about balance. And I think balance when we visualize it in our minds might be a visualization that's not useful in that when we think about balance, the implication is everything is equally weighted. And I like to think about balance as having your priorities in check and the things that deserve more weight get more weight and the things that deserve less weight get less weight. And on any given day, those scales can shift. So If you were looking, for example, for the ideal parallel career, and let's say it's in insurance, the question would be, if my priorities were to change, would I be able to shift these scales? So if I do have the capacity to devote 25 hours each week to my insurance career when I'm not acting, If I had to reduce that to 15 hours a week while I was acting, can I still do all the things I want to do? So I think that's like part of the questions we have to ask ourselves as we're looking at all these available job opportunities is not, does this meet a fixed set of criteria, but knowing that my criteria changes, can this job evolve with me? Can this job change with me? And if the answer is yes, The other great thing is that we are no longer living in a world where someone is expected to do 50 years in the same company. Mm -hmm. People leave jobs all the time. So you could think about it as an experiment and then look back, you know, six, 12 months from now and say, how did that experiment go? And if the answer is it went pretty well, keep going. If the answer is didn't like it, then you can experiment with something else. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of the age we're living in right now. Uh, I remember something that completely like sold me on your studio, you as like a teacher and mentor, and it was in shift. It was towards the end of shift. And basically you said that it was important to you, similar to what you said earlier, but like that it was important to you that actors think of themselves or develop themselves, not just as actors. Mm -hmm. And that some people that come through your studio may ultimately decide um, to leave acting as their primary 
professional pursuit and do mm-hmm. something else and that you're a hundred percent okay with that. Like what you're teaching isn't like, it's yeah, those skills can be transferred to other things. Um, and that if somebody just solely wanted to be an actor and that's it, that maybe you like, that maybe you weren't the best person for that either. Um, and I really liked that because I realized that, yeah, like the, the why of what I was pursuing and thinking about doing wasn't really there at the time. Like it was just sort of all external, um, outcome based. So that's another thing thinking about how, and I, I know some of this, but if you could share, how do you take control over, take agency in your life, um, and release outcomes. Cause I think mm. that's where a lot of people get caught up and frustrated sometimes. Yeah. Well, this is something that the COVID era is forcing everyone to look at. Mm-hmm. We never have control over outcomes mm-hmm. and we never did before. It's just, we were living in a world where people were maintaining the status quo. So we thought we could predict the future, but we never could. And in this moment, I think we're forced to reckon with the fact that anything that happens outside of us is out of our control, period, end of story. What we are in control of are the decisions we make. And so rather than focusing on outcomes, I try to help people focus on making better decisions. And sometimes you make an extraordinarily excellent decision and the outcome stinks. That doesn't make you, mean your decision-making was faulty. It just means that the forces outside your control went in a different direction. So I try to help people focus on what they can take control of. And that doesn't mean ignore the external forces and ignore the external obstacles, but to place them where they belong, which is as something that is out of my control. So I look at that obstacle or that challenge, and then I get to decide what am I going to do about that? What decision can I make? What action can I take instead of expecting the obstacle to move itself? I can work through it. I can work past it. I can work with it. And I may or may not get my desired outcome, but I can at least be proud of the way I showed up because that was 100% my decision. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how I've been thinking about this. And, and you know, again, it's that, that weird tightrope dance of on one side is something so beautiful and on the other side is something so destructive that this COVID era, I think, is forcing people to recognize that it's been out of our control all along. Mm-hmm. Um, I know myself and a lot of people who have been a part of your community, I think are open and working on that idea that you talked about. You want actors to have, uh, not just going after, not just wanting to make your living solely from acting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's two things about that in my band. I've had, uh, I have one long-term member, uh, Kat Mellon, um, just shout out to her. She's been there from the beginning pretty much, but I've had a number of people come and go and similar parallel music's a little bit different, but there are people that I've worked with. There's a lot of people I've worked with who've wanted to make their, their living solely, um, as a musician Mm -hmm. and some do, um, 
some of them that I can think of though, that, so basically what they did was they were in a number of bands. Um, they were paid for some of the bands varying levels. And then they did music love music lessons also for a living. And I observed that some of them, even though they were doing what they said they wanted to kind of ended up hating, not hating it, but it's music became a job. Mm-hmm. So it's like they wanted their passion to make a living, but it became an occupation almost. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, cause it became transactional, I think solely. Uh, you're like the JWS cohort um, <laughs> is impressive. Like what people are doing, um, starting businesses, kind of passing on the mindset work, um, just all different avenues, like all, all different things. Um, lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, I don't know where I was going with that one. Um, I guess, so yeah, here's a question for you. You have, uh, a lot of your students from like a, a business thing, like selling your studio pre COVID times at any given time, a large number of your students were like on Broadway, on and off Broadway, um, Mm -hmm. and in and out of your studio. Mm-hmm. And then knowing your studio and knowing the types of things that people are doing outside of the acting world for you, are there any, like, what's kind of been the most rewarding thing? Are there any particular stories that jump out? Um, yeah. I mean, just going back to, I mentioned, you know, Peter and I run this thing called the big ideas lab. We ran it for specifically for a group of JWSers. I guess it was about a year ago. And I think that that experience sort of sums up what you're talking about. We had, I think there were 16 or 17 people in that group who had an idea, but didn't really have any edges on the sandbox in terms of how to shape that idea, to deliver it to someone else, how to make it sticky so that it's memorable and impactful, and then how to actually like get in front of people and share it. And so instead of saying, you know what you should do instead, you should just focus on acting because you don't have, you don't know how to make this thing real. We took them through, you know, a progression of exercises to help them identify their idea and put it into some sort of specific form. And Peter and I were looking back at that the, the other day, actually, and we recognized that I think it was 85% of the people in that group have now generated revenue from their big idea. Now, that wasn't the point of the workshop, but that is the byproduct that when you give people the tools to make something for themselves, especially creative types like actors, they can do it and then they can monetize it. So yeah, it, I would love it if every single person who studied with me also owned their own small business. That would make me super happy. And the things that I've seen happening in the last couple months during mass quarantine is I've seen people who previously couldn't figure out 
that entry point to meet their audience for the first time because there is this shared, although it's completely unique to every person, but there is this through line of our shared experience with this global pandemic. They've been able to find that entry point and say, oh my goodness, I see your problem and I see how I can help you. And so even in the midst of all of this chaos, we've seen a bunch of people from within the studio launch brand new businesses, which is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, so insurance is the boring idea. My big idea um, came from a combination of things. Like you talk about something in the studio called find the rhyme. Yeah. Um, I think a thing also to emphasize to people is like definitely find the rhyme between classes, but practice finding the rhyme in life. Like, um, because that's how you connect those dots that you talk about sometimes. Um, and so I'm doing the doing it also workshop with uh, Lily, or I, yes. I did that. And then there's an ongoing thing. And basically, so the online studio has been great for me. I've been showing up there. And then my theater company has been doing online things also. So I've been showing up there. And then Actors Launchpad, I've been showing up also. And just, we just read plays. Like there's meetings and that other stuff also. But I really go for the community more and just practice. Like I like to practice. I like reading plays out loud. Um, I like reading scripts. You know what I mean? And it's a good way to stay using that muscle um, while also reading new scripts. Uh, So one of the exercises was an elevator pitch, like a one minute Mm. elevator pitch, which I've, you know, like, how do you define yourself? How do you sell yourself? I don't like that. um, But much the same way, I didn't like networking until I changed what networking was to like community building. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this elevator pitch class, I decided instead of trying to sell myself, Um, I led with kind of what my purpose was Mm -hmm. and then it came up in that little workshop that I mentioned a thing about also wanting to play superheroes and then there was this whole rhyme and so my new idea is I want to teach people how to be superheroes Mm. um, because I believe everybody has a superpower um, and usually more than one and so it's just about finding what it is and being brave enough to like to risk like there's always risk about it too um so yeah so that's the big idea i don't know how that's gonna i don't know what that's going to be exactly um Mm -hmm. probably similar work but also like it's like a lens in which storytelling like i kind of can like come back to that idea so I'm going to start on a new script this week and it's probably going to be exploring that theme somehow. The other idea um, I wanted to talk to you about is I feel like, and so here's might be some tough talk from you, but I really, I really um, am very optimistic about the future. I'm really optimistic about this moment. And one of the things I'm excited about 
is when things start opening up, everything's not going to be able to open up um, at the same time. I'm talking specifically mm-hmm. the, the New York theater. I think that there is going to be a great opportunity to create things that normally you wouldn't be able to, and that probably there's going to be a limited window to be able to, um, Mm -hmm. like where the barrier of entry will be not as high as normal. So I really want within that window. So I think it's like a year and a half window from now um, to be involved with producing an off-Broadway play. So I want to talk to you about that because you do have experience in production. Mm -hmm. And I know it's possible, anything is possible, but the reality, like, is that, I don't know if realistic's the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, is that an unreasonable goal? And maybe it is, but... No, it is not... (laughs) goal it is a reasonable goal it's a wonderful goal it feels very realistic and so when you when you say off broadway my immediate question is does that mean for profit off broadway or non profit off broadway because they're they're different um so what you know, is the difference that that gets a little bit confusing to me because most off-Broadway theaters are non-profit, am I right? Or some, some, um, not all. You know, I wish that we stopped calling things not-for-profit and instead said what they were for. So, you know, they're purpose-driven, they're mission-driven, they're for impact mm-hmm. theaters or productions. And then that's not to say there's anything wrong with commercial theater. Obviously I did it for a a long time and it has its place. Commercial theater is for profit. It is to return a profit to the people who invested in it and to the producers. Um, So with, with a pro impact or AKA nonprofit model, the goal is not for you to necessarily walk away with all of this extra cash. It is for you to walk away with all this extra impact that you've done. Um, and the, the way the money gets raised is very different in one kind of entity versus another. So that would be something I would tell you to like do some soul searching around. But back, back in, oh gosh, I can't even remember what year it was. I had started a theater company with three of my friends. One, you know, Steve Pasek, mm-hmm. Joe Calarco, and Wendy Dan. And when we were researching venues to put our work in, we were gobsmacked by the rental rates for these theaters. I mean, you know, $25,000 a week, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is super cost prohibitive, as you know. Um, and you have to raise so much money just to put something in a certain kind of space. But because so many of these venues have been bleeding funds during this whole time, I imagine this will be true for any place that has a rental fee. You might be able to do something on a totally different size budget than you would have pre-COVID. And then the other thing is, because of the nature of theater, people 
packed into these super tight spaces, both in front of the footlights and definitely backstage, we're in this place where we can innovate. Where does theater even take place? What does it have to look like? How could it be done differently? Um, our mutual friend, Amara Brady, said something to me maybe a month ago, which I'm still trying to unpack. She said, brick and mortar theater is dead. And I was like, what does this even mean? Like, I don't understand. But I've been trying to really wrestle with that. That, And what I've, I haven't come to any answers, but what I have come to is that we've been so limited in what we have been willing to name as theater because of old beliefs about what it's supposed to look like. And so I would challenge you and your co-producers when you go to create whatever this production is going to be to challenge all of the, quote, norms around what theater is supposed to look like. Because as you mentioned, we have a short window in which we can innovate every single angle of what it looks like to produce something. And uh, we've all of us have got to figure out how to take advantage of that to the fullest and build something that's so amazing that when we have the option to do it a different way, we would choose to keep doing it this way. Mm -hmm. And do you have any interest in producing or directing still? I have an interest. <laughs> um, my, I haven't been pursuing any directing projects recently because I don't particularly like working for other people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm very selective about which artistic directors I want to work for. Uh, that being said, I have lots of productions in my mind right now. And if I found the right place to let them out, I would happily direct something, but I'm not chasing down. I mean, I'm in this very privileged position where I have a thriving business and I don't have to pursue something else in order to make my life happen. So I have the privilege of saying like, I'm only going to direct if it's really something I want to do. Because in the early part of my directing career, I did anything that someone would offer to me and at the time, that felt like the right thing to do. I really needed to cut my teeth and like learn my craft. But looking back, I'm like, I cannot believe I agreed to direct that script, which I, I find so flawed that I could never get behind it today. Uh, so yeah. So the answer is yes. I am interested in producing and directing, but it's got to be a super purpose-driven project with a story I think really, really matters. What you were just talking about there, I think that's where I lost my train of thought earlier was just that, like, that's the reason as an actor, um, as an artist, like the whole starving artist thing. Like I, I, I believe in, I do believe, and this also is like my superhero belief. Like I do believe that there are prices for, for things like there, there's a give and take with everything. Mm -hmm. um there's a sacrifice um be it time or money that's made sometimes um but if it's something that you know you want it's it's worth it um but yeah the thing of if you can be financially independent one way or another from acting then yeah you have freedom also in like which roles you take and where you want to work um yeah so that speaks to me 
Uh, what else? Um, are there any exciting classes you're going to add to the studio coming up in August? Well, we're... The last couple months, we have been churning out new content at a rate that is dizzying, truly dizzying. And so now that we're in, I can't believe it, we're in the second quarter of JWS Online and quarantine. Uh, so I've been spending the last week looking back at everything I've learned about what's important and like what people need. And so we do have some new classes coming up in August. For example, I got to pull up the list. I can't even remember what it is. Hold on. And while you're pulling that up, uh, where's the best place for people to follow you, um, the podcast, um, the studio? Oh, yeah. It's jenwaldman.com. That's the, the best way. And that's my handle on all the socials as well. Oh, so you'll be really excited about this one, Alec. So, you know, we've been doing this. Let me just back up and say, each month we try to, as a teaching team, create sort of a through line for all the classes, like to be able to name for ourselves the way in which they rhyme with each other. And so for August, the image we're working with is that each person has an empty backpack and they are hiking to the future and they have to choose what they want to take, but not everything fits. And you've mm -hmm. got to take what you think is going to serve you in the future and store it in the backpack, but then start hiking and leave the rest behind. So the, th the theme for our August session is really, what are you taking with you? And so um, we, we have some classes which are reflecting on past canon and marching it toward the future. You know, we have our um, Shakespeare class and um, we have a, a class called How to Watch a Film. And this August edition is all suspense films, but you know, they've already been created. So we're looking at how do we take the best of these films, for example, and then bring that excellence forward and leave behind anything that isn't useful in the new world. So we also have this ongoing series that Drew does called Masterpiece Theater, where he dissects a really important piece in the canon and we figure out, you know, how is this useful right now? And the piece for August, Alec, is Passing Strange. Nice. Which I know is your fave. So that's going to be in there. We've got um, a a class on the international phonetics alphabet. We've got a, a class on rock material, um, a, a class on how to uh, embody the mindset of a director. We've got the create class, which if people follow you, they know about because you post something from that class every week. Uh, homeroom and impulse training, which are our core classes and a bunch of others that people can find if they go to jenwellman.com slash classes. And the other thing that's happening in August, which I think is really exciting, is we're doing a small group cohort for teachers, specifically professors, but also anyone else who's in a teaching position, because so many of these teachers are now moving into this online space for the upcoming school year 
they were thrust into it at the end of last semester, then had a summer off, and most of them have not experienced it from the student perspective and don't really know best practices in this online space because they haven't been in it. So in addition to our main session, we're putting together a small group of professors to go through the classes from the student's perspective, but then unpack the best practices with our teachers. So that's really exciting. And is that by invite only or how is that one working? They, people can find that at jenwaldman.com slash classes as well. There are two separate registration forms, one for uh, people who are enrolling as members of the August session at large, and then a separate application for the teachers. Nice. I'll let my friend Neil uh, Tyrone Pritchard know. He uh, he works for the Armory, so he's been teaching during this time. Um, and like everybody else, for the foreseeable future, it will be, yeah. you know, online. Um, I'm also just thinking about, you know, new people have been able to come into the studio. And I have a friend, her name is Jean. Uh, she started a really cool thing called the Burn It Down Film Collective. I love where, the name. Yeah. And so basically what they do is they um, they do, they, they get together and you can sign up and it's for learning how to make films. Um, she's a filmmaker. She's an actor. Um, she's had a couple of films in some festivals uh, and burn it down is though for like actors writers directors a lot of times from other mediums who want to get into the art of filmmaking and learn by doing and so you sign up and then you make these short films um like somebody signs up to write it dps everything um but we worked together and she's also somewhat involved with like the theater company i'm involved with and so I've been trying to get her to take classes with mm -hmm. you um, before she was kind of, cause she's not in the musical theater realm. She, like I wasn't able to all the way, but I still, I just think that she should be a part of the community. Um, could you speak to somebody who's, yeah, speak to Jean and anybody else? Just cause I think like you're like the, you are the person I recommend most um, for like any actor. Um, but yeah, just if you could speak to some student who. Totally. Well, the online studio and our brick and mortar studio really serve different functions. And now that we're, you know, in month four, I'm able to speak about that with a little more clarity. If you had asked me in April, I'd be like, I have no idea. Um, but our brick and mortar studio is very performance driven. Like we get people up on their feet and these small groups and there is individualized feedback. And it's really about the individual experience, not the communal experience. Although we have a very strong community, but our classes are really designed for someone to get their own individualized feedback. In the online studio, we are not necessarily serving performance artists, we're serving interdisciplinary artists. So the homeroom class, which is how we start every week, has nothing to do with any particular art form. It's just about how are you going to show up as the best version of yourself this week. Um, 
we have a class called impulse training, which we offer twice a week, which is specifically for actors and dancers. So we give a series of prompts and then people use existing material to work with those prompts. But outside of that, most of the other classes can be approached from whatever particular discipline you practice. So for example, the Shakespeare class can be approached from an actor perspective, but you could also take it from the perspective of a director and dig into it from that angle. Um, the, the filmmaking class is of, of course like teaching the art of making a film, but in order to do that, you also have to practice acting on camera. So it's, there's at least a dual perspective for each class, but in most cases, there's even more than that. So like create is a great example. That is, I wouldn't necessarily call it a class, I call it an experience, but we have had people paint paintings, write poems, compose songs, compose dances. We had someone bake a cake. We had someone else do a tablescape. I mean, it's like any form of creative expression is welcome. So our online studio really caters to the multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary artist, as opposed to someone who is only on a singular track. Nice. So Jean, uh, you know, sign up, join the community. Um, Come on over, Jean. <laughs> you know, uh, there's the monthly book club. There's also yep. regular community calls. Um, yes. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really important element of our studio. And just based on what you've said about Heidi, who I love, by the way, I don't know how her studio functions, but I know how she as a human functions and I'm a fan. Um, once you've been a member of the studio, we consider you a member for life, whether or not you are enrolled in classes. So we always create opportunities for members of our community, whether they're currently enrolled or not, to come together um, with a bunch of free programming, like you mentioned, the book group where we take a work of nonfiction, usually in uh, the sociology realm, and unpack it and explore it through the lens of the artist. And we do have a weekly community call. And now every other week, we're also having specifically a BIPOC community call. Um, so we try to keep our community engaged whether or not they are actually enrolled. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you want to talk about today? I think just to say to to you and to your listeners that there's a lot of possibility in the air. I was listening to your interview with Rebecca Bello Romero, our mutual friend. And at the beginning, you said I could never do an interview online. And look, <laughs> here we are. We're doing an interview online. Um, I had said I could never teach online. And look, I brought my whole studio online and it's doing great. So all these things that we think we can't do, maybe beneath the can't is I haven't tried yet. And mm -hmm. maybe it deserves an experiment. So I'm hoping that you and I and your listeners, that's how we can move forward is to look at everything as a great experiment and we learn as we go. I think there's also a fear Oh yeah. You know? And it's like the fear I think is sometimes like realizing what's the worst that can happen. Mm -hmm. And usually even if it doesn't like the worst is that it doesn't work out the way you want to. And mm -hmm. then you can either improve that 
or try something else. But a lot of times, even if it doesn't work out, doesn't mean that it still can't work out. You just have to like learn and adjust. So. That's right. And from every failed experiment comes the learning that allows a future experiment to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in that way, you can't really lose. Like if you mm-hmm. keep forward thinking. Yep. Well, thank you very much for uh, sitting down with me, Jen. Um, I just want to also just say that, you know, I mentioned how transforming shift was for me. Um, But last summer, working at the National Black Theater, I feel like was also a part of shift because Mm -hmm. there were a number of things that happened on the way to the National Black Theater. you know, one identifying kind of values mm-hmm. uh, and reconnecting with with values, and then seeing opportunities along the way to like to make relationships with with people. Because um, mm-hmm. Erica Hart, she's like the main casting director there, and I didn't know what that place was. Like, I knew a little bit. Um, but yeah, when I saw an opportunity to meet Erica Hart and that she worked with them, like I took that opportunity and had no idea at the time that there was this specific show that was going to come up. Um, and then working there was like a transformative thing. So it's been a whole unfolding for me um, since Shift and it's like still unfolding yeah. Um, I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful to be a part of the community. Um, and I really appreciate the work you're doing. So, Oh my goodness. I, our community is so much better for having you in it. Uh, you are such a vital member. You show up all the time. I mean, it's, it's, there's such a consistent sense of Alec is coming. <laughs> so like, let's make this good. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to be like you, Jen, you know, you like, <laughs> you're, you're doing it. So, um, thank you. Well, the respect is mutual, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, say hi to Mark. I've also really enjoyed getting to know him, um, over the last couple of months and, uh, yeah. And Jean sign up, you know, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Jen Waldman. Hope you enjoyed that. I hope you will check out the links in the show notes. And if you are interested in any of the stuff that we talked about, sign up. Um, I can't tell you just how much of an impact it's had on me. I know it'll have an impact on you. And the online studio is a great affordable way to, to check out. Check it out. Become a part of the community. That's what it's all about. So do that. If you don't do that, I hope, uh, hope your community building is going well. I'm glad that you are a part of my community. Thank you for listening to this as always. Um, if you like it, please, uh, share review, whatever, let somebody know about it. Um, let me know what you think about it. And if you're interested in coming on, you know, reach out to me, let me know what you're up to. I want to know. And I want to help other people find out. So I will see you on Thursday 
right here with a new episode. Thank you. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.